welcome to the Words and Pictures podcast. I'm DJ Bowman-Smith and this is Words and Pictures podcast number five. This week my guest is Doug J. Cooper and he'll be telling me what the future may be holding concerning artificial intelligence. He writes science fiction thrillers about cops in space and it's all fascinating stuff. So stick around for that. Firstly, before I talk about what I've been up to at my desk this week, I must apologise if you can hear a little bit of heavy breathing in the background. It's unusually hot weather here in England, and my whippet dog has decided that the coolest place is to come upstairs with me and lie on the bed while I do podcast work. She's a lovely thing, and will be fine as long as she doesn't have one of those really noisy doggy dreams. Anyway, strange, strange noises, that's what you can hear. Okay, at my desk this week, I have actually been writing. I started off at the weekend managing to get on with my work in progress because my husband was away for a few days and this has given me the impetus that I really needed. I've neglected the work in progress for quite some time and it's a shame because I've almost finished book one of what I hope will be a science fiction series. Normally I write dark medieval fantasy and I'm really enjoying the wider palette that the science fiction is giving me. It's fun to kind of think what technology can provide for the story. However, even although I've written complicated stuff before, I have noticed in this first book I've kind of slipped back into, oh, I'll just write it and sort it out later. So while I've been doing my creative stuff, I've also been making sure that I'm keeping track of lists and names and people and places and words that I make up. The thing is, if you write in series, it's really important that everything flows together and you don't make mistakes. So I've been looking at those Word documents and checking that the spellings are the same and all that kind of thing. In these books, I haven't got quite so many characters that I've had in my medieval fantasy. But even so, it's funny how these characters meet other characters and all has to be kept track of. So if you're starting a big project, begin as you mean to go on. Don't get lazy like me. Beyond my desk, I've been walking a lot with the Whippet Dog. Yes, that same dog as before mentioned. It's been some lovely weather here and I've been getting up early and walking in the early mornings. It's just a bit too hot and I worry about the pavements being too hot on their feet. It's lovely in the early morning. I'm very lucky because I live really near the sea and it's a good place to go and have a good think. I do like to listen to podcasts when I'm walking along or in fact the radio, especially Classic FM or just a bit of music that I like. But this last week, I think it's because I am in the middle of writing some actual work in progress, that I have been just walking and thinking, and it's been really good. So I think sometimes it's a good thing just to switch off for a minute and not have all the music and the chat going on in your head. Although, you know, obviously listen to this podcast because it's really nice. But if you can, take a minute and have a good think. It'll do you the world of good. Okay, time to meet. Okay, time to meet Doug J. Cooper. Come along. He's super. Well, we've been backwards and forwards tweeting for many years, so it's it's kind of kind of nice to actually have a face-to-face chat. It, it really is. I've changed recently though. I retired, so now I started growing up here. Oh right. Is that is that what you do when you retire then? <laughs> I guess so. So full-time writing for you now then? Yes. Yeah, and is that nice? Yes, it's it's wonderful. It's I love it. You know, I get up in the morning and I, I write 
until I can't write anymore, which unfortunately is only about three hours. I lose my creativity after that. Yeah, and I, I do, oh, me too. Yeah. Yeah. And then a couple of hours of um, marketing, Twittering, checking my AdWords, that sort of thing. And then um, after that, it's relaxation. Go for a walk. Take a nap. <laughs> eat, yeah. Oh, eat absolutely. Lunch. <laughs> eat lunch. Yes, especially eat lunch. Yeah. I, I think it's nice to have um, have a bit of a routine with writing life. Otherwise, you... Um, it, you, it, real life can get in the way of the imagination, and I think if you can, if you can get into that nice, sounds like you're in a good place. You're writing, it's, and then you, and then I, you're getting on, right. and then you're getting on with your indie author stuff in the afternoon. The marketing, you know, which mm-hmm, we all right. kind of hate, but we've got to do it. So the walk I take is actually part of my writing process. So I, I write, and then I do the marketing, and then when I walk, I think about what I've written and what I want to write next, what, what the next steps are for the story. And so it just, is a routine. Do you, just remember, do you just remember that what what you've oh, in yeah. the thing, or do you, or do you write write stuff down as you go or speak no, to something? I, no, I, I if I've thought it through, I'll I'll remember it or be able to recreate something similar to it. Yeah. How many books have you got out at the moment now, Doug? Um, I've released seven, and the eighth one will be coming out in August. I'm yeah. very excited about that. It's a new series. A new series. Yes, I saw it's, yes. it. Now I've got it. I wrote it down. What's it called? Le, Le, Lagrange. Lagrange series. Yes. Um, it's, explain the name then, Lagrange. So so Le, uh, Lagrange is a fellow, Jean-Paul Lagrange, I think his name is. He was a, a mathematician, a, a physicist, and he figured out that there's a point somewhere between Earth and the moon that if you put something there, it will just stay, that the balance of all the forces of gravity and, and inertia and everything will just stay there. And in fact, the James Webb telescope that they've been talking about recently, they parked that at Lagrange point. So, so Lagrange is a city that's stationed at this point and it's named after this, this fellow. And so then, it, then really what the book is about, what the story is about is it's a cop book. So if you've ever read a Jack Reacher or a Harry Bosch or a, or a Lucas Davenport, one of those, then then it's a cop in space. So it's fun because it has all the futuristic um, attributes that I like. And it also has the um, the crime drama that I like. So it's it's I'm excited about it. Yeah, yeah it sounds brilliant. What a fa- what a fantastic idea. I just love that so much. Um so do you always find because I'm I'm a I write fantasy, I write dark fantasy. Um, and what I find is sometimes I set off and think I'm going to write something that isn't so, but I can't help myself. Off I go. There's always some <laughs> element. And do you find you're always in the future, Doug? You know, with your yes. artificial intelligence and your yes. you know, your science fiction thrillers. You're are you always in the future? You can't help yourself. Right. You think you're gonna write and, and a cop, you, cop drama, yeah. and then you're in Lagrange. <laughs> and I, I'm you know, I'm a space enthusiast, so it's always in, seems to be in the future and mostly in space. Um it's just it's just it's interesting to me, you know. I mean, I I grew up during my dad worked on the Apollo program, the Apollo space program, the moon program, and we lived in Florida, right, right up the coast from uh, the spaceport. And so it really got into my blood as a child, the whole concept of space exploration and sort of lived on. And then as a researcher, I was, I'm a, um, I spent 35 years as a uh, faculty member at the university of Connecticut. And one of the things I studied was artificial intelligence. And, and back then, and this was 20 years ago, it was so simple. It was a 
such a trivial um, implementation that it really was more of a toy back then. But I, I have dream, you know, I dreamt about what it could be. So I've dreamt about what, what space could be and what artificial intelligence could be. And I sort of melded them together in my stories. Yeah. I've noticed on, on your taglines, you know, in your um, science fiction thrillers that it kind of looks like the AI is going to be your friend. So do, do you, do you yes. feel like that? Or do you think you might write something darker in the future? Well, actually I did. I have so, so the crystal series is four books mm. and that's a, that's a AI. That's our friend. That's a friend of humanity, very, very powerful and who protects us. Um, and then the bump time series, that's a time travel series. That's that's an evil AI. She's not a nice person. She's worried about saving her, her own existence at the expense of humanity. Mm. So I've seen both sides. And then the new book, I wanted to take it in a new direction completely, but still have AI. So the, the, um, uh, the Cuss Abbott, he's, the, he's our cop. He's our, our marshal. His, his partner is um, a fellow named Ego, who's an enhanced human. So he's had surgery where AI has been integrated into his brain. So now we have a human sort of AI enhanced in this series. So it lives on. My, my interest lives on. Yeah, it sounds, it sounds, I, I love this stuff. I'm going to have to download some of your stuff because this is right up my street. Uh, what what do you think, apart from living near the space station and having that influence and obviously your work, um, what authors have inspired you, do you think, or other fiction? So, so as a as growing up, um, I read science fiction like crazy. I just loved it. I just consumed it. Um, you know, Heinlein, Asimov, Bradbury, it was, it was their time. Uh, way back then. And as time passed, I graduated to, to different to different types of novels. And now I'll be honest with you, I mostly read bestsellers. I, I mean, just, you know, like I said, the, these cop books and stuff like that. I don't read very much science fiction, although I write it. So I think that's interesting. And I, yeah, and, yeah and it's I funny because my... I, I don't read a lot of fantasy because I don't want it to influence me. It, do you know what I mean? I, 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 I worry that it'll influence me and it has to be my own thing right. although i've read all the greats in my youth you know as one as one does like you have so i suppose you've got yeah. that back influence always in the back of your brain yeah, yeah absolutely and so one of the things heinelin taught me was that science fiction is really uh, a good novel that happens to be about about the future or science or or something something science fiction right i mean so often i, I was reading books where the they they were focusing on the science fiction and the storytelling wasn't as strong as it could be. You know, he sort of turned it around and just, it was a good novel. It's just a good book. And then mm. it also happened to be, you know, the story was sophisticated and apparently he doesn't trans. I haven't read him in 30, 40 years. He doesn't, doesn't translate into, into um, today's world. People find him um, a misogynist. Mm. I'm, I'm sorry to admit I didn't notice back then 40 years ago. Well, I don't think any of us did. No, no, exactly. Because I think the world's changed. I think what you write now is far more inclusive. You know, uh, I think we all try to have a have a broader look on the world and people and, you know, a better understanding of difference and all that kind of thing. Do you have the next thing in your mind, in the back of your mind? Is it, have you always got it? Does it stack up? I've, I've like got a stack in my head of, you know, I'm going to write this one and then I'm going to do that one. Um, not so much. I, 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 
I immerse myself in, in the book I'm writing. So I'm oh, 20,000 words into the book to the, the second Lagrange book. The, the first book right now is, is being edited. I get it back next week and then I have to go through the edits and then it has to be proved. And yeah. I have to get arc readers. That's what's taking, that's what's going to take a couple yeah. of months before I can release it. Yeah. So I, the one I'm working on now, you know, I make the story up as I go along. I, 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 I don't even think about the ending of a book until I'm, I'm more than halfway through. It's it, to me, it's, it's a, it's a, my joy comes from discovering what my characters are going to do next. And I don't like to have it be too programmed. I like them to sort of decide how it's going to unfold. And then I yeah. just report it. Yeah, that's it. So you're a bit of a discovery writer then, really. Yeah. Yes, I'm a, I'm a pantser. I have no, yeah. no outlines. Yeah. No, yeah. no. And I yeah. write, and I write in finished form too. I don't draft. I, I, my yeah. books are, are, the chapters that are written are edited and ready for, for forwarding and the before me are empty chapters, empty pages. That's yeah. how I write. Yeah. That's, it's funny how we've all got a completely different, different approach to this creative life. Um, because this is the words and pictures podcast, I'm going to ask you about your book covers and things, which look very nice. They're all, they, they, they tie in well with each other. The two series that you've got on your website right. next to each other, they look, they look nice. I can see that's your stuff and that's your look, which is great. Do you, do you get somebody else to do those? Do you, do you do them yourself? Right. No, the, the company I use is called Demanza, Demanza.com. Um, They've become very successful from when I started them, and their prices have gone up dramatically. Um, <laughs> it's the trouble, yeah. <laughs> but but um, so they, they create the, the the covers for me, and and the the first books I did, the Crystal Series books. You know, I encourage um, um, your your listeners to go to crystalseries.com and they can see the the book the book covers and and get access to the books themselves. But anyway, you'll see that the that the books have are are um, each of the four books has an sort of a shadow outline of two humans and they tell a story, you know, the, the first one, the humans are, it's a, it's a man and a woman and they're, they're running across a field. And in the second book, they're sort of squaring up, preparing to, 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 to confront the foe. And then the third book they're taking, they take off. And then the fourth book, they're in space confronting the, the, the evil, the evil being. So mm. I, it's something that sort of, harkens back to old old science fiction classic science fiction i really wanted to recreate that so i sort of described it in artists that created it for me yeah no it works really well and i like particularly i like um i like figures that don't show too much about what the person looks like on book covers because i think i think a lot of readers like to project their own idea into what the character would look like or be like you know so so you know you obviously fantasy that I write there's a lot of people with hoods on and you can't quite see their face and things like that or they've got armor on all that kind of nonsense and I think it's because we like to see you know you, the, the reader has their own imagination and it's nice to not tell too much but just enough to give you the idea of what the story's about I think yeah I, I agree with you so every book I told them I didn't want um, to see the face except for the very latest book that I I published you can see the woman's a woman's face, but just it's it's hazy. And I always had the same feeling as you about this. But when I go and look at all the books that are being released, people's faces, you know, they put people's faces out there front and center now. It's very popular. I'm sort of struggling with the idea. I don't I, I I'm with you. I don't like it. 
No, I don't like it. No, I, I, I always can't, I it. can't deny that it's very become very popular. Yeah. Because uh, I think um, book covers and, and you know, in general, they have, like you say, you, you're you're in, in endeavouring to give your your work a old science fiction look, which I think is a right. real market thing. It's great, but it's amazing how book covers in any genre covers have fashions, you right. know, in any genre as to what they what they look like. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I think you have to decide whether you're going to go uh, with that or not. And, really, and um. Some advice, advice people who advise authors say you should look at the the current best selling books and make your book look just like that. But I don't, I don't find myself that kind of person. I, I would rather do what I I enjoy or what what makes me happy. Because we're indie authors, I'm 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 imagining that yes. you're an indie author. Am yes. I right? Yes, I, I think this is the thing we have this control and I, and I do quite like the control mm-hmm. yes I, I nearly came I came very close to going the other way and then it, I kind of thought I actually don't want to be told what I have to write next or what my cover should look like I, I actually stepped back and decided that I would do my own thing and I think I haven't looked back really so I started writing when I was 50 these novels when I was 56 released the first book at 57 so I was just too old and impatient to even consider first hunting down a, a, an agent and, <laughs> and, too old. Yeah. and, and then, yeah. and then, it, you know, the amount of money that they were going to offer me was, would not turn my head, not, not in my current situation. So it just didn't seem like it made sense to me, but if I could, if when you're older, I do find that I've not got time to muck about. i just want to go, right, here we go. You know? And, and yeah, I think it's, it's, fascinating the indie author thing do you think you'd you'd always stay indie or if somebody offered you a deal would they, you, would they would come change? down to if they could give me more readers nothing nothing that's what that's why you know that's i hate to say that's my validation but you put through all this effort and it's wonderful it would be nice to know that the humans out there consuming it at least put in as much effort in total when you added up all the readers as i put in writing and i have i, I can say that that's true for those for my early books, you know, sometimes it takes a couple of years for that to accumulate on the newer books. We'll have to see. Surely you must have to plan a little bit when you're thinking about time travel. Because <laughs> <laughs> that gets complicated, yes. doesn't it? We're just watching The Time Traveler's Wife on television that's a, that's at the moment. A, that's a good and, and it's complicated. It, yeah. it, that is a disadvantage. My, my um, Beta readers and my editor both told me that I'd be losing people with that time travel book because it does get very confusing. And it's and and what what I do that's different is the book starts out with this 25-year-old fellow and a 26-year-old version of himself shows up to celebrate his birthday with him. So it's sort of like this multiverse concept that they're that the um that the um um the movie they're they're promoting in the movies now the, um, and with, with so instead of multiverse idea the time each timeline doesn't have to be exactly the same they can be very similar they're very similar but then it's not like if one person uh stabs himself then all of them suddenly get a scar it's not it's not that sort of of time travel it's it's existent it's slices of the universe at different times that these people can travel to so they can travel ahead a couple of years and see what's what's happening. And so what happens is an older version of himself shows up and says, come on and takes him along. And, and in their travels, he learns that his, his girlfriend soon to be white dies. And so that becomes, that becomes the, the, um, 
the motive, the, 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 the crystallization that drives the, the book is how, how do we save her? You know, how can we, how can we cause changes in the timeline? How can we bump time? That's where the title comes from. How can we bump time sufficiently to change the, the future so that she doesn't die? And so then, the, you know, as you read the stories, you learn that there's an evil AI that's controlling all this, that in the third book, we learn that it's actually the, the couple's daughter that creates the AI that goes back in time to make sure that the husband and wife marry and meet and have a child to preserve its own existence. So that's what you have, this, this circle of this AI going back in time, being um, very manipulative, kind of evil, to make sure that things unfold so that it will be recreated in every timeline. That's that's really what the story is about. It's kind of confusing, <laughs> but it's fun. No, I think it's I think I think it's good. Yeah, because the complexity is part of the it joy. Is. I think when you're reading and and when you're yes. writing it. Yeah. Do you do you base a lot of your science fiction on on reality, twisted a bit, or, or do you just make anything up that you fancy? Because there has to be rules with this stuff, you know, so that it. So that the reader can suspend so for science the fiction or for timeline time travel, for, which so, any so, of it, um, it's, whatever it, you want it, to tell me, Doug, uh, uh, I'm here. <laughs> the stories read like a regular book, you know. I learned from Heinemann, so it's just you know, it just seems like like every day they drink coffee, they go upstairs, they you know, they 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 look out a window, that, this sort of thing. But but it's happening in it in the um, in the time travel one. It's happening pretty much present day. And then in the uh, Crystal series books, that's that's some indeterminate time in the future. And then the Lagrange books, if there's going to be a city in space between Earth and the Moon, that's much more distant. And so then I get to, I am playing a little bit with the societies, you know, their mores and and, and that sort of thing. Um, it's kind of interesting, but I'm still staying pretty pretty recognizable to the societies we're familiar with. Yeah, it's it's interesting to create these um, you know these these different these different worlds. I my, in my work in progress at the moment is a bit more science fiction than normal the stuff that I normally write, which is medieval, dark medieval fantasy. I don't know. I look like I should write romance, <laughs> but I don't. I'm really sorry. But um, what I'm enjoying is having this slightly bigger palette. You know, because obviously when you're writing medieval fantasy, there's no telephones, there's no electricity there's no you know a, a bit of magic but there's there's not a lot you know you've got to think how people are going to get from a to b there's no airplanes and things but obviously going into the more of a science fiction world i'm really enjoying thinking oh you know, there's there's a lot more here to play it's with communicating um, it without you know so i don't want to reveal technology that sort of becomes dated so how do you so so yeah. so yes so, very so true safety so i i try to keep things vague She's, she was talking to someone that he couldn't see. She was talking to someone who wasn't in the room he couldn't see. So now we so we know she's using some kind of phone technology or some kind of communication technology. I don't really tell you what it is. I just tell you that it's happening. Yeah. Don't say Zoom. It's happening, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so you know, we presume that that maybe she has a microphone or a, or a little gizmo or who knows, maybe your tooth, maybe in your tooth they put little things. <laughs> who, who knows, you know? It's the future, but I try not to try not to dwell on the technology, just more on the effects of the technology. Tell me about the AI in your stories. 
Are they more robotic? No. Crystal series, it literally is a crystal that it is um, injected with a in, with this intelligence um, software, if you will, but it's not really software. And it turns out we learn later that that it's really of alien origin. And the you know the crystal sounds mystical and all that sort of stuff. But the the silicon chips we use now in our computers, the silicon is a crystal, literally. So a rift off of that concept. And so he decides when he the very first time he speaks, this is one of the first scenes. He goes out. He goes out into the web or whatever I call it there in the future, and he learns that males with a deep, a slightly deeper voice in the very first seconds gain slightly more attention. And so he identifies himself at that moment as a male with a slightly deep voice. And away you go. Yes. You know, so that's and I didn't even yeah, think that out. I love I just that. When I was writing it, I said, "Well, we got to make a decision." Yeah. <laughs> How would he do it? Yeah, I think that really worked. <laughs> and I'm married to a man with a very deep voice, so <laughs> that's probably what it is. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And and also, I think a lot of things like like that, when you're reading that or speaking about it as we are now, it teaches us a lot about human beings and how we react and why we're doing things on a, you know, which we might, you know, like you said about the deep voice thing is, is it's obviously on a very subconscious level that you're, that that is happening. And I think it does happen. And it's very interesting to put it in, in that artificial intelligence mind so that you can sort of talk about that kind of thing. Yeah. It's clever. So his, his journey is very much like a, what a human might go through because he's, born he's becomes conscious but he doesn't really know what his function is and so he has to go through the process of of who am i why am i here what is what am i trying to achieve what is good what is bad which is what all humans are doing we're all we're all trying to you know find our place or purpose or our destiny (laughs) or whatever it is so you you watch a machine go through this and he concludes that that both he and humanity will be stronger if they work together that he's he's not there to replace them, but to 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 strengthen them. So so it has a happy kind of um, theme to the whole series. It's pretty popular for that, I think. Do you think you'll write more in that world? No, I'm. I think that I'm going to be uh, with Lagrange for at least maybe maybe to the end. You know, I'm looking for one of these series. Of it. The the challenge I have is that the first book comes out so quickly, and then the second book is fairly quickly. But the fourth book, I start to slow down. You know, the excitement is there. The rules have been established. The, the boundaries of the character are are in place, and so it becomes less creative, less exciting. Do you think you'd write some stuff that's standalone then, so, so that you could just you're just working on that? So, kind so of thing, that's or? one of the interesting things about this Lagrange that I'm adapting from these. Um, crime drama um, authors that I told you, the Jack Reachers and Lucas Davenport's and, and Harry Bosch's, is that each story is independent. It doesn't depend on the one before it and isn't required for the one behind, after it. So that's what these are going to be. Mm. A, it's a series in that in that the location and the, the, the some of the characters are consistent. Uh, but but mm. the, each story will start and end in a box. And so you can read them in any order. And so that that would be different from what I wrote before, where the stories build on each other. And that's interesting. A lot of crime writers do that, don't they? They they use that, they 
got their character, they got their world, and then but you can read them out of order, right. or if you're ty- tidy like me, you do read them in order, but it doesn't really so matter. There's one or two sentences that reflect back to the previous book, but no, no, no plot lines. No, that's it. Yeah, 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 it is. It's 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 fascinating how we can all find these different things, but of course, also. It, I think writing anything in series is more lucrative because I think you do get the read through. If they like it. The interesting thing with my time travel book is that the first book is the, um, the lowest rated on Amazon. It's a four out of five stars. Then the next one is 4.3 and the next one is 4.8. You know, so they, they got better. <laughs> or maybe I just refined the audience. That's probably more realistic. It's I refined the, 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 the people that like it really like it. Yes, yeah, I'm like that. Yeah, you either some, get me or you don't. But yeah. <laughs> but on that first book, there were some people who just said, this isn't for me. Yeah, that's yeah, it is. It, it's, yeah, well, that's it. And we, I just write for the joy of it, and I, yeah. I don't worry too much, to be honest, because that's, you know, that's how it goes. So what do you, uh, in your um, home life, uh, are you well supported as a writer, or do they find you very irritating going off and shutting uh, the door? I'm... I'm <laughs> I'm well, so it's it's me and my wife, and she actually was a um, a writer editor when she was working, um, not for books, but for um, uh, advertising and and proposals and and speeches and that sort of stuff. So she, she is actually very proud of me to see because you know she can sort of relate and she helps when she can. But I yeah. do interestingly, even though she's very. Very capable. I use her as a proofreader, but I have an outside editor that I use. So, so if you get your wife to proof it for you, I when I'm writing, I think I'm really writing for my husband. I uh-huh. dedicate everything. I dedicate everything I write, except for my children's work, to my husband. Because when I'm writing, I I kind of think, oh, this will amuse him. This will tickle him. And and I'm a bit like um, Stephen King says the same. He writes for his wife. After that, he doesn't care. So is she your ideal reader? Do you, do you have her in I mind? I wish I could say that. Is... No, I keep grimacing no. and going, she's going to not, she's not going to wait. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she's going to want a different outcome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Who's, who is your ideal reader? Then? Who do you think? I write for myself a hundred percent. I can, I read, I read what, you know, I'll back up a few pages and get going every day. I can, I make myself laugh. I make myself cry. I, I I'm, you know, I'm happy, I'm sad, I'm giddy, I'm, I'm scared. I enjoy my own writing. So that's what I do. I try, I say, I figured that if I like it, someone else, there's other people like me. And if I can find them, then it will work. So that's what I do. Yeah. How, how do you go about finding your reader? Um, Twitter. <laughs> Twitter, yes. Yeah, I've always loved the writing community on Twitter, to be honest. I've always found them really supportive. I don't know how much we really help ourselves. I'll I'll be honest with you. We all tweet each other in a circle and who knows what the outcome is, but at least... Yeah, and you do a mailing list, that kind of thing? Um, um, Yeah, I have a small mailing list. I started really, really late. I started maybe two years ago, three years. I wish I had started right at the beginning creating, uh, collecting names. Um, but I didn't, my, my attitude was way back. So now I give away a free book, a, a short book and, and you get it yep. if you sign up for the newsletter. And early on, I said, I, I just want people to read. So here's the book for free. Just take it. Um, um, and I wish back then I had been collecting names, but it's okay. You know, I'll catch up. <laughs> 
but so that's where I get my um, arc readers, my early readers. So this, like this Lagrange book, I'll give everyone, I'll solicit from the list. Is any will anyone do an early read and then and then to write a review on Amazon or something? Good reads, and then um, I'll give them five weeks and then I'll publish the book and then tell them it's out. <laughs> Because the scary thought is having a book out there without any reviews. That's that's really scary because it's just people who want to have, who think it would be cute or fun. That's what my worry is to go in and muddle around in a book with no reviews. Yeah, I think. Well, I think the art readers a good a good plan. I think I think that works quite well for a lot of authors. Anyway, thank you, thank you so much for coming on the Words Pop Pictures podcast, Doug. So crystalseries.com, your readers can find out everything they need. Right there, crystalseries.com. It's been lovely to talk to you. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. Find the links to Doug J. Cooper in the show notes. Next week, my guest is B.R. Crichton. Like me, he writes dark fantasy, and he'll be telling us about the books he writes and about a really amazing book trailer he's made for book one in his new series. This is the Words and Pictures podcast, and I'm DJ Bowman-Smith. You can find show notes and all the links at djbowmansmith.com. Until next time, goodbye. <laughs>